The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome to Friday Night Live with me, Hafi Shaban, on this very cold Friday evening on the 11th of January 2019, corresponding to the 5th of Jamad al-Ula. I was just looking at the Islamic calendar, 5th of Jamad al-Ula, which is the 5th Islamic month in the year 1440. So we're already passing by the Islamic calendar and the year very rapidly. As usual, we're broadcasting live to Luton on 105.1 FM. And also broadcasting nationally uh, via our sister stations uh, in Sheffield, Link FM, uh, Peterborough, Salam, uh, Derby, Nottingham. So several places where you can be listening to us this evening. And also internationally, you can be tuned in via our Inspire FM app, via the Inspire FM website. And of course, we are streaming live on Facebook now. So tune in and also uh, you know tune in via Facebook to watch us live in the studio. Tune in and most importantly, get involved in today's discussion, debate, get your voices heard, your opinions across to our panelists as usual. Don't stay silent. 01582481822. 01582481822 is the number here in the studio. 0779 0779481822 is the number for all of you social media experts. You know, love to send in those whatsapp messages and the sms messages i want to get some messages from you this evening zero triple seven nine four eight one eight double two inshallah so that's the number that you need to text or you need to sms on or call in to me here live in the studio right so what are we going to be covering this evening for you our listeners number of stories some interesting stories that we're going to be covering inshallah over the next two hours that we're going to be that we have this evening we're going to be starting off with pakistan so all of you pakistanis out there all right couple of stories that we're going to be covering on pakistan firstly bill gates right bill gates is is been in touch with the prime minister imran khan so bill gates has been writing a letter that also had some telephone conversations with imran khan showing some interest to invest in pakistan right so should that be raising some eyebrows or is that something that we should be welcoming with open arms what's 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 in the detail we're going to be asking we're going to be looking at why is bill gates interested in investing in pakistan and where specifically uh, sounds like a positive thing may well be a positive thing let's ask the question and let's find out what's happening there lord nazir was apparently stopped at islamabad airport doesn't sound very good sounds slightly embarrassing nikob card invalid what's been happening at islamabad airport with lord nazir we're going to be discussing that and a quick review of the 100 days of the pti government obviously it's been a couple of months but let, let's just find out what's been happening in pakistan with the with the pti government that's going to be the first leading story for the first half an hour inshallah then we're going to be moving on to uh, some local news local news we've got quite a lot of local news this evening all right and you may want to listen out to the next couple of stories crash for cash that is crash for cash gang who plagued london luton's roads are jailed what happened and what does it mean for me and you what's been happening in luton and a couple of other news stories local news stories right so there's a no stopping okay listen out for this you've heard of the red routes in london right 
I don't know if there's any other cities in the UK that, uh, you know, have the red roots policy, right? But the red roots are coming to Luton next week in a trial period. Did you know that? Well, if you don't know, if you didn't know that, it may well be worth listening in and finding out what's happening and where these red roots are coming in. Now, if I remember correctly and my understanding is correct, then it's not the case that you can't just park on the red roots. You can't even stop your cars on the red roots. So we're going to be getting that clarified from a local councillor. We're going to be looking at rising council tax yet again. Okay, with forecast of a, a rising council tax yet again. And we're going to look, be looking at some positive news stories. £10,000 is raised for the, boot ba- for the food bank sorry, by Inspire FM. So well done Inspire FM team for raising, and the community, the Muslim community, for raising this money. And we're going to be discussing that later on in the show. So as I said, a packed show. And if I get time, I might be doing a reflection on 2019 right at the end. So a lot of the stories that I'm going to be covering. And I've got some great guests with me this evening, inshallah. Ta'ala. We're going to be having Abu Isra, who's a political analyst and a commentator a regular contributor who's going to be helping me navigate through the stories on Pakistan. We've got Asif Khan, PTI UK media coordinator also, who's going to be discussing and giving his perspective on things in Pakistan. And then some local news. We've got Richard Eastbrook, who's a local Lutonian, head of commercial insurance here in a local uh, insurance firm based in Luton. And then we're going to have councillor Paul Clive Dale Castleman, also kindly in the studio so it's taken me five minutes to give you that introduction i hope that that is an appealing introduction appealing lineup for our listeners and i'm hoping i'm going to get some calls and i'm hoping i'm going to get some sms and whatsapp messages so you are with me hafi shaban friday night live and it is the 11th of january 2019 Right, inshallah ta'ala, let, let's move into our main story. So, so main story plus half an hour, all right, Pakistan, right? Pakistan's in the news again. Uh, some interesting stories, okay, that I'm going to be covering. Uh, Bill Gates uh, has been in contact with Imran Khan, Microsoft co-founder, of course, Bill Gates. He's shown an interest in exploring investment opportunities in Pakistan, right? So some of you may think, great, fantastic, Pakistan's going to be moving forward. Technology, of course, Microsoft, Bill Gates, a huge, massive investment investments in India, huge infrastructure in terms of technology, great advancements in technology in India. Maybe it's also positive news in terms of that's going to be happening in Pakistan. We're going to be discussing that. Uh, we're going to be looking at what's been happening with Lord Nazir and this new NICO policy, right? New NICO policy, which apparently was issued by the PTI government saying that, look, ex-Pakistanis are allowed to go back to Pakistan as long as they can prove that they're of Pakistani nationality, that they don't necessarily need a NICOP card. But that's been causing some controversy because, of course, Lord Nazir found out that he wasn't allowed to enter into Pakistan. Of course, they allowed him to enter Pakistan later, but only after a slightly embarrassment and an extended stay in Islamabad airport. Anyone had experiences with the NICOB recently at the Islamabad in, uh, International Airport? Please get in touch. And we're also going to be looking at the Pakistan 100 plus days of PTI government. What's been happening in Pakistan? Right? What's been happening? I've got a number of headlines in front of me, but let's speak to some experts and let's get their views, inshallah, in terms of what's been happening. I'm hoping I'm going to be speaking to Asif Khan very shortly, uh, who's a PTI UK media coordinator. In the meantime, I believe I've got Abu Isra, political analyst and a commentator and a regular contributor on this on this program, uh, on, invited on the program previously on the line. I believe I've got uh, brother Abu Isra on the line at the moment. Let me introduce him, uh, brother Abu Isra, assalamu alaikum wa
Jazak Allah, bro, uh, for, for joining us on Friday Night Live once again. Uh, okay, so I've, uh, I've introduced a number of different stories. I don't know how much of a, a technology expert you are as opposed to a Pakistani kind of analyst and a commentator. But, I mean, did, did that raise eyebrows for you or uh, have you taken that as positive news? Microsoft co-founder Bill Gates, of course, is not very proactively engaged with Microsoft, but he's, uh, you know, a huge uh, investor, a huge technologist. He's shown an interest in investing and exploring investment opportunities in Pakistan. Is that, should we be taking that as some positive news for Pakistan? Yeah, well, just, just to touch upon your first point you mentioned about, about my background, I've, I've had 20 years of IT and telecoms experience. So, oh, I mean, I can, I, yeah, apart from politics, I can, I can tell you a little bit. About, I mean, I, I can comment a little bit more on, uh, on right. the technology. Okay. Uh, well, with regards to this, well, this letter Bill Gates wrote to uh, Prime Minister in Khan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Look, it needs to be looked at an overall context of foreign direct investment that comes into Pakistan. Right. Uh, I mean, if you look at the recent history, we're talking about no more than $2.6, $2.7 billion of FDI that has been happening or that's been coming into Pakistan in the last few years. The figures are just that they hover around, uh, uh, you know, this mark of $2.6, $2.7 billion U.S. dollars. So even with... Uh, this Bill is Gates the prospective investment in Pakistan that, that the earmarking is. Is that what we're talking about Yeah. No, no, we, we're talking about the foreign direct investment, the, okay. the, the money that comes in, come into Pakistan in, okay. in the form of investor. Okay. So Bill Gates would be considered another investor coming into right, Pakistan right, right. and okay. investing into the IT sector. So I'm talking about the combined overall uh, foreign direct investment that comes yeah. into Pakistan. Okay. Now, Pakistan, don't forget, is an economy. The, the documented economy is of uh, around 310, 315 uh, billion US dollars. Right. You know, the total goods and services we produce in one year in Pakistan. Okay. Uh, and the foreign direct investment figures that I've just mentioned, they're like, um, you know, they're peanuts. Uh, and within that, and I'm talking about total pie of $2.7 billion. Now, within that, the IT sector, and, and within the IT sector, Bill Gates investment, Microsoft, what are we talking about? Maybe a few tens of uh, millions of dollars, US mm. dollars? Mm. So, to be honest, it, it, you know, it, it's a headline-grabbing gra uh, or attention-grabbing uh, headline but uh, other than that, uh, in terms of the underlying structural issues that Pakistan right. is facing, you know, yeah, I don't think it will make much sense. Right, much but, but uh, uh, let, let me push back on that. I mean, uh, headline, I, I see more, of, more, more than a, just a headline you know, item. I mean, surely the fact that we're getting more investment in technology, you know, obviously I know, I know Pakistan has a lot of, you know, uh, you know, technology, you know, expertise, but we're not quite at the level of, of India. So any investment, uh, especially from a, you know, a, a name like Bill Gates, should surely be welcomed and seen as an initial positive achievement by the, the, you know, the Imran Khan government? Look, Imran Khan government, uh, if, if they want to take a credit for something like this, I mean, you know, they, they can. Mm. And I'm, you know, uh, but the, but the, the key point here is that if the government policy is to uh, uplift the economy or, uh, you know, rejuvenate the economy by asking investors from outside to come in, uh, and also rely on, uh, you know, um, uh, foreign uh, loans and, you know, to regenerate the economy. I mean, these couple of things, uh, you know, have been done by all previous governments. Yeah. And to be honest, this has led to where we are today. So, I mean, what people were expecting from uh, Imran Khan's government was, you know, something different, uh, something something new, something which will 
you know, really uh, right. trigger uh, economic growth. All yeah. right. L- l- let me bring in Asif Khan. We've also got Asif Khan, PTI UK media coordinator, right? Uh, as uh, brother Asif Khan, and welcome to Friday Night Live with me, Hafiz Shaban, right? The question is, you know, people are apparently expecting something new from the Imran Khan government, right? I mean, is, is this a positive that we're seeing Bill Gates and the likes investing in uh, or showing an interest to invest in Pakistan? Uh, what, the headlines I've got in front of me is, you know, Bill Gates Foundation intends to invest in the health sector of Pakistan. Now, you know what? There, there might be some, you know, people who might raise their eyebrows and say, huh, you know, that's interesting, philanthropist, but, you know, he's an entrepreneur and he's a capitalist first before he's a philanthropist. What's in it for Bill Gates in Pakistan? How do you see Asif Khan? Uh, Walaikum Salaam and thank you very much for having me. I think it's a positive step. Uh, the gentleman before me was talking uh, what um, Imran Khan has done. If you um, look uh, back last four months, he has achieved so much. I mean, uh, in terms of foreign policy, if you look at it, he has not running to America like every other prime minister who comes in power. They, mm. they beg for a meeting with the American president. He is actually establishing links with Turkey, Saudi Arabia, uh, Middle East, UAE, um, China. But, but should and, I say, we, already had hand, the, we already had those relationships with all of these countries, right? What, what's new? Um, well, our, our relations were very cold, and our relations were uh, Nawaz Sharif uh, with the with the king of Saudi Arabia. But people to people relations and the relation which will benefit Pakistan, they were not existent. And mm. um, and on the other hand, um, Bill Gates offer I think I think is a positive step for Pakistan. Yeah. Uh, Pakistan have a huge youth population. Yeah. I think 30-40% of Pakistani population is under the age of 30. Right. And and I think this will benefit Pakistan in terms of, um, you know, because he is a big name yeah, in... No, no. in, in uh, Absolutely, Asif Khan. I, I agree with you. Big name. We need investment. We need technology. We need to be, you know, competing with our, you know, with our neighbors, with our, with our competitors out there, right? But I also raise my eyebrows at the same time because I know capitalists and capitalism and their profits come first, and, and the philanthropy side of it comes second. So I'm just, you know, reading into the detail and saying, what is it really in Pakistan that Bill Gates is after? I think, but, I think it's it's for for the leadership of Pakistan yeah. to see, you know, what used to happen before that Pakistan used to chase mm. um, businessmen, the leadership, yes, yes, investors. Yes. Now yeah. they are approaching Pakistan. But this is the difference with this new government. Yes. Okay. No, no, that, that's a good point. But uh, uh, likewise, like I say, uh, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's interested in investing in uh, the health sector within Pakistan and then obviously at the same time pushing the eradication of the polio in Pakistan. Yep. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's actually providing the, the, the medication for, for, for you know eradicating polio. So hence, is is <laughs> I think at the moment there's an offer on table. Right. It's for Pakistani leadership yeah. to see what's the best they can get out of it. Right. They need to see the pro and cons, right. and they need to see, you know, what is best for Pakistan and uh, and and uh, and, pe- and people of Pakistan. Okay. And you can trust Imran Khan because he is not like the Chief or like of Zardaris are are uh, people who've been ruling Pakistan okay. and and have mega corruption. Um, I think you have seen. In the last uh, couple of months, that he is providing shelter home, he is uh, setting up orphanage for yes. street kids. He's he is doing the work on the ground level, and he is actually um, trying to save Pakistan from the likes okay. of I- IMF. Okay, you see, he is he is, because Pakistan was left in a 
very bad financial situation sure, sure, when Imran sure. Khan took over. Sure. Asif Khan, I, I've got 10 more minutes, right? So I want to cover a lot, a lot of topics. So let, let, let's see if we can make yeah. some brief and succinct answers, right? So, okay, yeah. great what you're saying with, with regards to, to, uh, to Pakistan. Okay, needs investment. We've been going, you know, Imran Khan's been going to UAE, Saudi, Turkey, you know, a number of these states. W what's been there on top of the agenda? Has, has there been more further loans from these countries or has there been I something think, more strategic think... than that? <laughs> I think he is trying to get a cushion mm. for three, four to six months so he okay. can then uh, have good deal with IMF if Pakistan has to go to them because before ah. when uh, so Imran not, Khan in IMF came in power... IMF is not no, no. as an option. When, when, when Imran Khan came in power, IMF was giving really strict uh, conditions for Pakistan, uh, which means that inflation will go really high and things yeah. like that. So he is trying to escape from IMF as okay. much as possible. Uh, Abu, Abu, but if it's, not, if it's not possible, then at least Pakistan will have a good deal. All right. So, Abu, Abu Isra, do, do, do you, is that your interpretation? How, how, are, you, how are you following this, uh, this development? Not develop, okay, development, but I mean, obviously Imran Khan's been very busy. I mean, that's the logo at the moment, Hamas Rufte, yeah, that we've been very busy like, over the last hundred days, been to UAE, Saudi. Have we just been going around with, with, with the same kind of, uh, you know, begging bowl or has there been, uh, the agenda been different? Are you time? asking me? No, no, no. Uh, Abu Isra, my, my second uh, guess. Yeah, so, so basically my reading is this. It, look, Imran Khan prior to elections made very clear statements that, uh, you know, he would rather commit suicide than taking a bagging ball and going around the world. He, this, this is his words, you know. Mm. Uh, and there's, there's, there's no reason why people have now started calling him Mr. U-turn because there are many, many other statements this man has made and then he's taken a U-turn, 180-degree turn on that. But anyway, right. uh, it's not about personalities, to be honest. For me, uh, what I'm talking about here is that there are structural issues in Pakistani economy in fact, the, the whole system that we are running in Pakistan for the last 70 odd years. I mean, I've lived in Pakistan, worked in an IT and telecom sector for six years. Yeah. Uh, in And I mean, I can tell you, uh, you know, a country uh, and the gentleman, my, my, uh, the brother Asif, who just mentioned 30 percent of Pakistani population. In fact, it's 65 percent of Pakistani population is under 35 years of age. So right. huge, huge mm. potential exists in Pakistan. Yeah. We need to focus on our domestic, uh, you know, getting a domestic industry up and running, right. uh, either cotton industry or, uh, you know, rather than Caught. rather than expecting, you know, foreign direct investment, which is like, I told you, no more than $2.7 billion right. we're talking about. Right, you right. Know. So, so that, that's that an not how we're going to resolve our issues, to be honest. Right, uh, right. You know, so going around the world and asking for money. And uh, by the way, your debt to GDP ratio, which was around 65 odd percent, now is touching around 80 percent. And, uh, you know, the, the total law, uh, debt uh, Pakistan uh, currently ha had before Imran Khan government joined around 24 trillion rupees. Right, right. Abu, uh, uh, 26 and a half trillion rupees. Right, Abu, so I've, I've got, got almost six. Let me ask if Khan, let, let me just, just uh, I've got, uh, I've my got brother, about seven, uh, my seven brother, minutes. Uh, 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 brother, my brother, I'll, I'll, the come thing back, is, I'll come back to you. Just give me a minute. Just give me a minute. I've got an article in front of me, Dawn, uh, a news article. Burdens on the common citizens have increased markedly in the first 100 days of the new government, right? I'm, I'm talking about here. I've got prices in front of me. The, of course, the depreciation of the rupee is well and uh, well known. The large hiking gas tariffs, prices of increase on chapati, naan, flour mills, ghee, cooking oils, soap. You know, all on, uh, over the, the, the last hundred days in, in terms of the Imran Khan agenda. You, uh, we, we had a very positive introduction by you, you, brother Asif. But what's happening with the prices? Everything's going up. 
the, the thing is, uh, my brother who was talking before, yes. um, I was saying the age of 30. I, was, I didn't mention the percentage of the population. Okay, that, that's There's fine. What about the price? 50%. What, about the price what I'm hike? saying is, when, when Imran Khan uh, took power, mm. I, I can accept that he did not imagine the kind of uh, debt Pakistan was facing. Right. And, and yes, I know he, 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 he did um, um, retract from what he promised. He used to say that I will never go to uh, with a begging ball. But he also said that I will not visit any country in my first three months. Then he has to change his mind when he realized that the big, huge repayments of the loan has to be made and countries on the verge of bankruptcy, then he has to change his stuff. Yes, but he brother did. Asif, for about the betterment of the country, but not for his personal gain. No, 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 I, I, I understand that, Brother Asif, but what about the price rise? I mean, for the average person in Pakistan, you know, the average mazdoor, right, the, the rupee is depreciating, the, the, the gas price has gone up, uh, uh, you know, it's Going up. Yes, my brother. Uh, that has, uh, you know, uh, roti, you know, yeah, you see, oil. You see, I, I understand. I, there are various, uh, 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 you know, things people are saying, and mm -hmm. I have to uh, get the figure from the government. They are quoting something else. Opposition right. is quoting something else. Right, right. But yes, inflation has gone up. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not denying that. Mm -hmm. But what I'm saying is that Imran Khan has to be judged after five years he's been elected to govern yes. Pakistan for five yeah. years yeah. and he is he has to um, sort out the garbage of 40 years yes. you know the debt the mismanagement the corruption the nepotism you name it no, no. so give the guy a chance and I am sure that now things are inshallah um, getting uh, better and okay. inshallah uh, inshallah 2019 will be a year when Pakistan will rise mm. and I can tell you something else from UK level yes. we are we have to contribute as well and okay, I'm, uh, Asif, I'm, I'm gonna come on to the UK just give me a minute right yep. you know I, I'm a big fan of Imran Khan when it came to the cricket <laughs> cr cricket world don't, don't get me wrong big fan of Imran no, no, Khan no. when it came to cricket in politics I, I don't, I'm not quite I haven't quite made my mind up and a lot of our listeners <laughs> the jury is out with regards to Imran Khan and what we're gonna achieve in Pakistan but you know you've talked yep. about UK you UK Pakistani expat community and I want to bring that on you know uh, to the NICOP crisis at the moment not NICOP on a crisis but the uh, you know confusion, right? So we've seen that Lord Nazir, you stopped him from coming into Pakistan. What, what's going on with the NICOP? Lord Nazir, uh, Lord Nazir is not above the law. Yes. Lord Nazir is a British citizen. He's a dual national. Yes. He, he landed with uh, with expired NICOP card. Yes. And obviously, the Pakistani authorities... He, he wasn't too happy with the Lord Nazir, Pakistan. He says any the Tom, Dick and Harry yeah, but has he, to be stopped. But he says the near Pakistan lacks proper coordination. If I am undergoing this experience, what will others be going through? In terms yeah, because of he, if, if he... If he if he does same thing, yes. and if he lands in UK without uh, proper documentation, they will stop him. No, so this no, is no. not me a Pakistani. They but, will treat everybody equally. No, but didn't Imran Khan issue a directive which saying that ex -Pakistani? No, 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 so, no, no. Where's this confusion actually, come from? You see, he is well informed person. He should have checked with Pakistani embassy. Right. He should have checked with the consul general. And consul general and Pakistani embassy specifically said that this is wrong information circulating right. on social media. Yes, yes. I knew it. And Lord Nazi should have known better. Okay. So let me ask you this question, Abu Isra, right? Uh, Ex-Pakistanis, they've got a big role to play in Pakistan. Of course, Imran Khan's been reaching out to them. We've got about three minutes left, two minutes left, right? Uh, how do you see the role of the, the ex-Pakistanis uh, ex in the UK with regards to Pakistan? Is it just to, to send back revenue and finances or is there a bigger role to play, Abu Isra? I think there's a bigger, bigger role to play, definitely. Mm. I mean, you know, a country relying on foreign remittances, I mean, you know, come on, what is what kind of economy is this? I mean, if you look at any uh, global uh, powers, 
mm. like you know China or US, for example, or countries mm. which have some uh, you know some standing. They're not they're not relying on foreign remittance and all that. Yes. So this uh, Pakistan issue is not about um, you know uh, relying on foreign direct investments or yes. foreign remittances and all yes. that. Yeah. It's about structurally uh, a country which was left by a system left by our colonial masters. Yes. That system needs to be reformed, changed. In fact. Uh, uh, and but, but what specifically? What, what specifically would you see from uh, expani- uh, Pakistani expats? Is it in terms of their expertise, their t- the 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 uh, education to go back to Pakistan, or, or you know take that kind of uh, in- expertise back with them, or is it more political? Well, how, how do you see it? Look, I mean, that is definitely one way of uh, contributing. I mean, you know, you can take your expertise. I mean, like I said, I was there for six years. But the thing is that I did not solve the Pakistan issues. I don't think we'll be able to address our issues, which are really structural issues. I've got a a caller on the line. Uh, Brother Jamil. Assalamu alaikum, Brother Jamil. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to the show, Brother Jamil. Where are you calling from and what's your comment very quickly? I'm from Luton, right. and uh, just like to say, as Brother Asi was saying, I think we've uh, tested and tried everyone, Sharif, uh, Benzir, and so on. Good. So give him a chance. You know, he's been only here for... Yeah. What, G- give him five chance. years, l- l- let, let him do the full test match. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, you at least give him a full test match. Yes. You know? It's not, it's not a, a chance, T20. I mean, you're saying it's not a T20, it's a full test series that we're playing here. Well... It's more than a test series, brother. It's, not, it's more than that, bro. When you realize that damage has been done to the country, the corruption, yeah. and like the brother says, you've got to give him yeah. a chance, brother. All right, bro- brother Jimmy, in f- of, of 10 seconds, can, brother. He can say on himself, and I think he has to need to change a few of his ministers. All right. All right, Brother Jamil, Jazakallah, Abu Isra and Brother Asif Khan. Unfortunately, we're going into a commercial break and we've come to the end of the first half an hour. But Jazakallah, lovely having you Thank both you very much, brother. On, on, Thank on you very show. much. Jazakallah, thank you very much. That was fantastic. That was uh, Brother Abu Isra, that was Asif Khan. And we also had Brother Jamil calling in. Great to hear from our listeners. And we were discussing Pakistan. All right, so that was interesting conversation there. You are with me, Hafi Shaban, on Friday Night Live. We're going to go into a commercial break. When we come back... I've got some interesting local stories. Crash for cash. I mean, what on earth is crash for cash, right? I've heard of, uh, you know, questions for, uh, cash for questions or something in the House of Commons. I've never heard of a crash for cash. But we're about to hear, hear that when I come back in a couple of minutes. Don't go away. Until then, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast. Making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back to Friday Night Live with me, Hafi Shaban, on this uh, very cold Friday evening on the 11th of January 2019. Back in the back in the studio now, we've got a different guest. Where we're going to move on to our second story of this evening. Uh, we're going away from Pakistan and coming to some local news, right? We're going to be covering some local news over the next hour and a number of local stories that we're going to be covering. But we're going to be starting off with a, a slightly a slightly new kind of a uh, what's the, the right word for this kind of story that I, that I've seen and I've come across. I must say maybe I have actually seen it once or twice before, but a crash for cash. Right, crash for cash. I mean, previously, I, I've heard of other scandals, cash for questions, uh, affairs in, in in the 1990s, if I remember correctly. But it's the first time I'm, I'm reading about the crash for cash gang, which apparently was. 
which has apparently has plagued London's, uh, not London's, Luton's roads for, for, for a while, right? So I've got the story here in front of me. Uh, and the story isn't a positive story, I, I must say. But let me give you some of the details to our listeners before we start discussing this story. So a crash for cash gang plagued Luton's roads, causing 80 collisions. That's 80 collisions and a scam worth 1.2 million from insurers, right? Uh, so a ringleader of a looting gang behind a 1.2 million crash for cash scam operation has been jailed for six years, right? Uh, and this was a gang of, uh, you know, a gang of individuals involved in over 80 collisions. And you may well have been an innocent victim in some of those collisions, right? Uh, we, we'll go, we're going to go into the details of what all this crash for cash exactly is, right? So we're gonna, uh, to, and to get to the bottom of it, I've got a guest in the studio, Richard Eastbrook, who's the group head of commercial insurance, A-Plan Insurance, local firm based here in Luton. So let me welcome Richard to Friday Night Live. Welcome to yourself, uh, to the Inspire FM studios. Uh, Thank Richard, you. Welcome. Pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for your time this evening. Crash for cash, what's this all about? I mean, generally, it forms two strands, really. Right. It's people who either cause an accident right. deliberately, which is right. kind of an oxymoron, deliberate accident, yeah. by doing things like braking suddenly in front mm. of cars mm. to ensure that they do hit them and then putting in claims for significant personal injuries mm. and significant repairs and credit hires for right. alternative transport. Right. And they do this deliberately, go around, so you're driving up to a roundabout right. and when you expect them to drive away, they don't. They suddenly brake hard and they're hitting the rear yeah. and that causes the accident. And then they inflate the claim. Right. What they also do is they actually make up incidents. Mm. So they, away from peering eyes, they'll literally drive two cars into each other right. and claim that they've been injured right. and put significant personal injury claims in to defraud the insurers. Right. And, and is it also a case of uh, uh, accidents which have never happened uh, that are also being claimed for? or is, is... I, I think what we see more and more these days is something has happened, whether right. it's been caused deliberately right. or the accident's been contrived. So I suppose mm. the scenario where they deliberately drive into each other's cars mm. would be considered an accident that hasn't happened because they've mm. just done it deliberately. Mm. Mm. Um, and what we saw with this particular group yeah. was that as well as the parties involved doing it, yeah. they managed to involve a huge number of their friends, associates yeah. and colleagues yeah. to, to sort of widen the net. And it was through investigating their social networking contacts yeah, and yeah. realising actually this person seems to be consistently claiming exactly. off this person, who yeah, knows yeah, this person, yeah, who knows yeah. that person, wow. Wow. that it came out. Right, okay, I mean 1.2 million, so there's a, of course a lot of money that's to be made from here, 80 collisions, I, I don't know to, over what how many years this is, but we're talking about 15 other members of the group are also sentenced, right, so we've got a, a huge sophisticated operation Absolutely. That, that's happening, a criminal operation. I Absolutely. Mean, you know, and it's unfortunate that this this isn't the first time actually it's happened in Luton. Mm. Um, Luton. In but all these 80 collisions within Luton is that what the, the collisions were, were within, within the surrounding area, mm. so they weren't all in one particular place. Right. But unfortunately, in 2011, there was right. another different gang that actually put a claims then for 5.3 million. That wow. was also in Luton. Right. And in 2016, unfortunately, another group did it, which was again led by people from Luton, and that was right. linked to Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire, and that right. one was over a million as well. Right. So unfortunately, mm. the impact that that has 
eyes on the people of Luton mm. is that insurers look at Luton I'm, I'm, as a high I'm, bad risk. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to come on to that next. But wow, I mean, this is this is incredible. I mean, mm. I, I was going to ask you, is this just a, a Bedfordshire phenomenon or is no. this a national phenomenon? Because earlier on when I was introducing the topic, I mean, I, if I remember correctly, I, I have heard of other stories. Mm-hmm. Up in the north somewhere? Yeah. Or is it down in the north? No, so there, there, uh, there are what are called hotspots. Mm. So there is a fraud index that's produced each year where right. um, a firm of solicitors, Keos, sort of mm. identifies the, the towns and areas within right. the country mm. that are the, the hotspots for this. Right. And, and most of them are probably where you would expect them to be, inner cities mm. where, you know, so London, Birmingham, mm. Manchester. Mm. There are also other hotspots. Unfortunately, in that index, Luton has been in the top ten in the UK. Seriously. It's been coming down that at that table right. um, but unfortunately there are signs of it creeping back up yeah. um, but generally speaking it is a national phenomenon and, yeah. and generally in larger towns yeah. it's not something you tend to see in, in rural communities right I mean before we go into uh, the impact of it on, on the average person right yeah. uh, I mean there's an immediate impact isn't there because I might be innocently quite innocently driving along mm-hmm. right uh, and I may become you know, a, a victim in, in fact right I would go as far as saying that I think I have been a victim of, of this because I remember a couple of years ago. I mean, I was pulling out, uh, right, of uh, of, of uh, you know a mustard car park, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I see a car in the distance, and then I, I thought I, I had a fair distance, uh, you know, to pull out quite safely, mm-hmm. and suddenly I, I find this chap accelerates and comes and deliberately hits me, and and therefore I, I'm now the one who's to blame because I'm pulling out absolutely on the main road. That, that, I mean, uh, back then, uh, to be honest with you, it was about five years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't think of it uh, no. uh, uh, like that, right? So I just literally, I just didn't know what happened. Why the hell did he suddenly accelerate and come and hit me when I saw him clearly at a distance? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he's done that, and, and I really didn't take that through. But, but there will there be lots go. of people who are probably yeah. hearing this, yeah. sort of having that same sort of thinking back to an incident they recall. Mm. Uh, Obviously, what we see here is only who's been caught mm. and who's been sentenced. Mm. Undoubtedly, there are other groups out there, not just the, but other locations, mm. Mm. who are doing this and seeing it as an easy way to make money. And then yeah. that will always create the victim of the person who, you know, thinks even in a minor incident... Yeah. And then they suddenly realise from their insurers, their insurers have paid out thirty or forty thousand pounds. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it's suddenly they, they, they'll claim that there were five passengers yeah. in the vehicle, all yeah. of whom had whiplash, and yeah, 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 exactly. it, it, it becomes a bit of a, a, a self-fulfilling prophecy, really, around yeah. sort of how once one person makes some money from it, they tell yeah. somebody else how they've made money, and they decide it's going to be a good idea, and that's how it snowballs. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I want to keep it g- generic, but I mean, of course, I mean, nowadays, the, the, uh, not nowadays, but it's been a phenomenon for a while now in terms of the claims companies and mm-hmm. all, all of this. <laughs> it seems to be a, the, the business to be in at the moment. Plenty of money to be made out of it. And, and this is where they're making the money. Out. I mean, uh, Unfortunately, I'm sure of, yes. I'm sure there's a lot of genuine, Absolutely. you know, cases there. Yeah. And there's a genuine, you know, a, a right to actually seek the compensation, and you know, where you've you know sustained injuries and, and, and the likes. But there's a lot of phony stuff going on there. Yeah, and I think it's trying to make sure you get the right balance between Ooh. the two clearly if somebody suffered a genuine injury yeah. or d- yeah. genuine incident yeah. then they should be looked after and that's what insurance yeah. is there for that's yeah. what it's there to do it's to, it's yeah. to look after those people yeah. Yeah. Um, a natural knock-on of this type of activity is yeah. that those genuine claimants yeah. may well find that they're yeah. perhaps being investigated yes. a little more thoroughly by yeah. the insurers who yeah. perhaps might just want to yeah. double check that there isn't something wider taking place yes, yes. Uh, especially if 
it's in those locations that are known yeah, to be yeah. sort of more hot spots for this type of activity than others. Yeah, absolutely. Right, uh, before we, we start looking at all right, what are premiums and what that means for, for insurance policies and why the premiums are so expensive, etc., <laughs> Is, is there any advice that you can give to, you know, the average motorist out there in terms of how he can be, you know, maybe protect himself slightly? Yep. Uh, what what kind of what are the kind of signs to look out for? Because like I said, my personal experience five years ago, I didn't even think of that. No, I mean, of I just course. found it crazy why he did that. And and, and the other thing that I, I want to tell you, Richard, right, and maybe that, that might be an indication is he was in a hurry. Mm-hmm. He was in a hurry. So he just ran off. He didn't even give me uh, oh, proper no. details. Yeah, he just ran off, right? So I, I was lucky that I managed to get his details. But, uh-huh. I mean, of course, he, he reversed it and put all the blame on me, right? Uh-huh. But what what are, what are the kind of a, a tips and advice that you can give to the average motorist in terms of just to be, become cognizant of being aware of these kind of fraudulent uh, drivers out there? I mean, some of it is common sense, but which you might not always apply when you're driving. So mm-hmm. the most basic one really is never assume that the person in front of you or behind you is going to do the straightforward thing. Mm. So what we, often it's at roundabouts when driving at low speed, when yeah. people perhaps aren't as vigilant because they're not. As, it's going slowly. Mm. They expect the person to pull out yeah, because yeah. the road is clear, yeah, yeah. and that's when they put the brake on. Yeah. You know, in lines of traffic, that's another big one. If you're in line, always leave space yeah. because that that is when these incidents occur. They occur at low speed yeah. because these people don't want to get hurt, mm. <laughs> which is kind of an oxymoron because they then are saying they they're claiming for injury, but actually they want an incident, they can say it's happened, mm. where they haven't been hurt. So mm. it almost always happens at low speed. Mm. Um, secondly, always take a picture. You know, right. so take a picture. If, if you are involved in an accident, most people nowadays will have their phone on them. Most yeah. people nowadays will have a phone with a camera. Right. You know, take a picture of the car that's been damaged and also of who was in the car. Yeah. So you don't right. suddenly get the... Look, the car that had one person in it, and there's five personal injury claims that come right. in. All right. Um, you, you, you know, you know, I'm going to tell my listeners that you know, I'm, I, you know, if you've got, if you've had any experience and you want to share any experiences, then you know, do get in touch with us. 01582481822 is the number here in the studio. Richard here is in the studio with me, and it'd be good to share your experiences. Any questions that you've got, we can get those clarified. Zero triple seven nine four eight one eight double two for any of your social media messages, right? And I'm going to come back to Richard. I know Richard you're not an expert in terms of you know law specifically right but i'm gonna ask you a last question sure uh, before we come back onto the the, you know the insurance industry and and uh, the premiums of it is you know i i've I've seen this and and and, and this was uh, i was watching a, a video online uh, where the story was, right? I can't remember where the story was, but there was a video online just giving a, an overview of the, this crash for uh, crash for cash and how it happens and what are the signs to look out for. And and one of the one one of the tips it, or one of the markers it gave is watch out for the one who someone who you know another driver who actually flashes you, telling you that you know you, you yep. come out, which which is normally a sign to say okay, fantastic, nice gesture, let me pull out, and you pull out and suddenly he hits you and says. No, I didn't do that, mate. Yeah. It, it, unfortunately, that is what happens. Yeah. Um, and there are ever different ways that they will try and do it. Yeah. it it's quite difficult because you want, you want to go about your normal day. You don't want yeah, to be yeah, sitting exactly. there hypervigilant going, yeah. I'm not going to trust you yeah, in that exactly. kind of gesture that if, you've if given me. If I did me, that in my street, I wouldn't be getting out of my, <laughs> my street for a long time. Well, exactly. So I, I think you've got to... Uh, there's an element of you do have to sort of go about things in the way you would ordinarily do so. Yeah. But as you're going through that, mm. be vigilant. Mm. I mean, to have a dash cam on your car 
is a really useful tool because that would be able to you would be able to see from that, for example, in the scenario that you've raised that that person has flashed you to come out. Dash cam is, is that does that sit on your dashboard like a like no? A, so that a, would a generally tom-tom? sit or it sits in a not dissimilar place to the um, uh, to a tom tom. Generally, it's behind the rear view mirror, so it doesn't oh, oh, it doesn't get in. Okay, or okay. It's on the windscreen, sort of yeah, behind the rear view mirror. It, it, might, it might look, look ugly in my car. No, absolutely, yeah, no, no, you can't see it. It's quite discreet, oh, uh, yeah. but it does mean that basically when you turn your engine on, yeah. it starts recording oh. and it records everything. Oh, really? And then we turn your engine off, and they're not expensive in in the in the scheme of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, and you can get ones, of course, at a full range of costs, whether it be right. £50 or you can go and spend £300 on one. But generally speaking, they are the best way to verify what did or didn't well, happen. Well, Richard, I'm going to tell you, a lot of my listeners are going to be listening to you and they're going to say, hey, here comes another cost that you're adding on to, you know, the cost of motorists. I mean, fuel is, 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 is the cost, a huge cost, and all the tax we're paying. Then mm-hmm. you're on top of that, you're paying your taxes in terms of road tax. I'm paying for my car, I'm paying, and then we're paying for my insurance. And you're not going to tell me about the Brand news in terms of the premiums and all the the rise in the premiums that this is this is causing. At the yeah, moment. I mean they do have an imp- this had very much has an impact on premiums and yeah. a, a, a personal injury mm. now makes up something in the region of seventy percent of all claims. Mm. So, all, so the idea that the cost of your car and the repair to your car was the biggest component in any claim mm. unfortunately it's no longer the case personal injury is the by far and away the largest component of any claim within the motor industry and I understand your point around the cost of a dash cam and I think to be clear here these are, this is not a cost being imposed by insurance companies or by yeah. government yeah. unfortunately this is simply a way of countering yeah. the activities mm. of a criminal few yeah. Um, and unfortunately there's little that, that anybody can do to yeah. avoid that yeah. um, no one's saying, of course, you have to get dash cams, and yeah. who knows, hopefully yeah. manufacturers will start to fit them in vehicles yeah, themselves yeah, rather absolutely. than it being an added cost. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it is an impact on um, the premium that you're paying. Mm. What we see as well is, because insurance nowadays is, the insurers are so sophisticated in their rating, mm. the, where you live plays such a huge impact in the costs. Mm. And unfortunately... Luton has been impacted quite significantly by this cash for crash culture in the area and the claims claims management firms because insurers just there are certain insurers who simply won't insure Luton. Are you serious? Absolutely. Uh, So okay, so let's discuss premium. Let's discuss Luton. So are you are you seriously telling me that I might buy a car and I might try to get insurance for that car depending on my postcode within Luton? I might be refused insurance. You wouldn't be refused insurance across the whole market, right? But there will be certain insurers who right. say, right. "I won't need." So, if you insure that right. you, you buy your car and you're living in, I don't know, um, not at you three, but you know, you're living in Norwich and then you move to Luton, that insurer might go. Unfortunately, we can't insure you any longer because we will insure you if you live in Norwich, but we won't insure you if you live in Luton, or we'll insure you if you live in Watford, but we won't insure you if you live in Luton. Wow. Um, obviously, there are insurers that do insure in Luton. Cause of course, mm. everyone here has insured in their car, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it just means that the it, it's the people of Luton who are paying for the activities of these people who are out there committing these criminal acts yeah. and doing so to line their own pockets yeah. and really having no awareness or care for the wider people around them. Mm. And I think the thing, one thing I would say to people is, in this particular group, mm. there were over 35 people involved. 16 sentenced, but there were lots of other people involved. Oh, 35, I've got 15 here, okay. In terms of the wider piece, and there, oh. the, 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 the 15 sentenced, but, but wider people involved in terms yeah. of community orders and the like. Yeah. It, 
for me, there would probably, probably at least 100 people knew this was happening. Yeah, exactly. You know, because yeah. people know people and they yeah, talk yeah. to people. Yeah. And, and the best thing people can do, and it's a difficult thing to do, if you, if you know someone's doing this, either make sure they stop or report them because mm. we're all paying for yeah. the activities of these people and, and they just think engaging with others. No, no, absolutely. And, and I will actually, you know, go on record to actually support that, which is that we have to report that. That's mm-hmm. absolute fraudulent criminal absolutely. activity, right? Uh, and you can't just, you know, condone it and you can't remain silent, right? No. So if you know that that's happening, uh, I, I agree. I think that the, the first point of contact is to discourage that and stop that from, from happening. Mm-hmm. And then you, you, you got to raise that because that's a, a very core principle of Islam, which is, you know, w- you know, we don't support and we, do, we you know, we have to speak up for, for ju- justice, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that's an essential element. So I, I hope that message is very clear to to our listeners out there. So I, I mean, in terms of then the premiums, right? Yep. So it's unfortunate. I mean, people are normally looking for buying a house in a in a good area. Talking, you know, in terms of looting as an area, you know, you've, we've discussed that for, for a while, right? Uh, so so what does what does that mean with regards to then? premiums for the average individual then? So uh, still the biggest component of any um, insurance premium is your own record. Mm. So whilst where you live has an impact, Mm. your own record, Mm. the way you drive, Mm. ultimately that is the driver. If you don't have accidents, if you don't get speeding convictions, Mm. you're going to put yourself in the best position. Mm. Yes, shopping around for your insurance is always going to be good. It's a a bit of a a myth led by advertising that you buy cheaper, car insurance is cheaper online. That just isn't the case. Mm. You know, so so don't make sure you know, do take the opportunity to pick up the phone and talk to people or call into a local broker. Mm. And obviously I would say that from A plan, mm. but it doesn't have to be A plan, you know, talk to anybody mm. because you know, buying online often won't give you the best option, especially if you do have some slightly challenged circumstances. Mm. You know, perhaps your car is a little bit different or your history is a, you know, you perhaps you've made some bad decisions previously or whatever, mm. then by talking to somebody you're gonna put yourself in the best chance of getting the best mm. deal. But it is about shopping around and it's about you not just following where the advertisers tell you to go because they will all push you into comparison websites uh, I mean, and they yeah. don't deliver the best no, deal no, for no. you. I, I mean, I've seen that personally, to be honest with you, that, okay, you might get a good indication, but I, I don't subscribe to the view that it necessarily will give you the best option no. out there on the table. I definitely I agree with that. But, I, I mean, in terms of uh, for the average individual, I mean, this insurance is becoming a ta- almost unbearable tax, mm-hmm. right? I mean, sometimes, you know, I might be unfortunately driving a car, which I'm, I'm paying more tax for it than the car's actually worth. I mean, yeah. come on, I mean, that, I mean that, that's insane, isn't it? It is, and, and it goes... I, I mean, you know, you're, what, what are the contributory factors to actually determine a premium on a car? I mean, I used to think back in the days, if my car's worth 1000 or 5000 or 10000 then, you know, definitely my insurance is going to be worth you know it's going to be a fraction of that right absolutely but but i might be you know picking up a nice you know cheap micro you know quite old you know i picked it up for you know you know a thousand pounds for my for my son he's just passed his driving so i let him drive that car around but you know what the insurance on that is two grand yeah that's insane i mean it doesn't make sense i think the reason that to me yeah no problem at all so so certainly when i started driving obviously many 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 years ago um the majority of claims were in the repairs to the vehicle if you had an accident, the claim was what it cost to repair the car. Mm. Because now right. that it makes, makes up, makes sense. because that makes up such a small part of claims now, oh. the value of your car becomes a less relevant factor. Actually, that thousand pound car can still knock somebody over. It can still hit another car and cause twenty thousand pounds worth of injuries to the people in the other car. But surely there's a different way of you know you know recuperating that cost and and and, and that rather than just slapping it on the on on the on the drivers and the insurance. Well, well, the whole principle of insurance is that that cost is spread amongst everybody. 
Mm. And, and that's the nature of it. And that's where, unfortunately, it comes back to the core story that we've been talking about, yeah. which is that million pound plus of fraudulent claims there has gone into people's premiums. Right, I've got Brother Zafar, mashallah, Sorry. co-presenter uh, into, co- com- coming into the studio. Assalamualaikum, Brother Zafar. Well, you you, you want to add to this uh, discussion? Yeah, I, I think, to, to be honest, I uh, can't reiterate um, strongly enough yeah. that some of these guys, you know, the things that they get up to is just yeah. terrible, really. Yeah. Um, you know, it just makes you sort of embarrassed that you live among people right, who were capable of doing some stuff. Yeah. But having said that, I, mm. I think in some ways, the insurance companies are benefiting from this in a sense that, uh, mm. you know, they just ramp up the, the insurance premiums, like you mentioned, yeah. you know. Well, yes, there, is, there are a greater risk, but who decides the proportion of the the value of the, the premiums yeah, yeah, goes yeah. up That's right. you know, in, in proportion to sort of the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the claims, etc. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. And I think, you know, um, would like to see perhaps yeah. the insurance companies doing a little bit more, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. A lot yeah. more, to be honest, yeah, right? Yeah. To be able to sort of say, yeah. yes, there's so much information available about individuals mm. online, mm. right? And they can tell, yes, you can black mark a particular postcode, right, and right. they do. And I good, can tell good. you, yeah. I live in LU3, yeah. right? And I pay yeah. Yeah. huge premiums, right? Yeah. And yeah. and I've mentioned on this radio program many times before, when, mm. after 2011, when the first uh, cash for crash incident happened mm. and I've been paying through my nose and I think there's lots of people right on our whatsapp groups are complaining mm. about the same thing as well yeah so but but it's 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 against natural justice right that the yeah. perpetrator yeah, yeah. right is, is not being punished yeah. but the rest of the society is yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so where where is the effort right going yeah. into collect that money from right. the perpetra- perpetrator right right to actually sort of Recom- you know, compensate the people right. who have been impacted. Right. So I'm, I'm going to turn that question slightly around to Richard and say sure. it's a good opportunity for the insurance companies to make extra money, good, good money, and that's exactly what they're doing. It's busy time for the insurance industry. <laughs> if only that were the case. I, I think. I think. Fair. Firstly, you make a valid point around. Actually, yes, of course. You yeah. know, people should be able to get their money back for the perpetrators. Mm. The reality of these scenarios is yeah. often that money is long, long gone, mm. and actually the likely the cost of pursuing that money from those people is often, you know, going to be far greater than any likelihood of getting it back. Mm. That said, I take your point around the insurance premiums increasing. Absolutely. So, one of the areas that is within everyone's control is to make sure that they're getting the best deal available for them. Mm. Now. It's an incredibly competitive market. There are hundreds and hundreds of insurers out there. So there is no single one. So if any insurer is increasing their premium in order to simply fill or line their pockets, very quickly you'll be able to find another insurer who's prepared to save you money. At the end of the day, they're all underwritten by one company, aren't they? One or two companies, right? And you can go to one insurance company, right, and they'll quote you £2,000, right? And another company with a slightly different name Mm -hmm. will quote you £1,500 or whatever, right? And underwriters (laughs) are the same. What's going on? And are you given the same information? Well, well, I think that's where the sort of... One making 30% and one making uh, 25%? Well, well, I think that's where, you know, I'd have to say from our point of view, that's why we don't engage with those insurers (laughs) that do that. Um, And that's why we're not on comparison websites because when you understand that the comparison website is owned by the insurance company that's at the top of the list, yeah. that's when you think, ah, oh, okay, but they're not regulated, so they can do that. It's an unregulated activity going online. Mm-hmm. Whereas from our perspective, and I can only speak for how we operate as a business, and, um, you know, we're entirely independent, we will rebreak people's policies for them. So mm-hmm. if we see an insurance premium go up, we shop around before we give that price to the client. Mm-hmm. So that's how we're right with what we do to counter the very point that you've raised around raising premiums. The other point you, you made about, about reporting some of these incidents, yeah, right? Yeah. And I can tell you about the personal experience. Uh, reporting to who? 
if you report it to the insurance companies, right, and they'll tell you, yeah. right, oh, it's not going to affect your insurance premiums, yeah. right? If you tell them what? Sorry, if if, if you say that. to them there's an incident that's happened, right, yeah. I'm not going to claim, right, it wasn't my fault, it was somebody else's fault, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. right? You know, it doesn't matter. Right. You're on record, right? Mm-hmm. And then that that risk factor for reporting it has just gone up. Okay. So the question is, I think there has to be an independent body where you can report report these incidents, right? right? And they right. can investigate right. it. Right. Okay. All right, gentlemen, a, a great conversation. Fantastic. Uh, Richard Eastbrook from the, insu- is, is it from Air Plan Insurance? That's correct, yes. Thank you very much for coming into this year. Very kind of you for My giving us the, the time this Friday evening. But unfortunately, we've got to leave it because I'm being told 40 seconds to the commercial break. <laughs> no problem. But Thank fantastic. You. Thank you very much. And uh, hopefully we'll speak to you again sooner. I'm sure. Or later. Thank you. All right, uh, folks, that was uh, Richard Eastbrook from uh, the local insurance firm, Lutonian. Fantastic, giving us a good insight into the world of insurance. Uh, no, not for the first time. Not, not for the first time, yeah, exactly. I thought it was the first time. It wasn't the first time, so Richard has been in uh, before, which is fantastic. All right, so we're going to go into a commercial break, end of the first hour, but good news is I've got brothers Zafar here in the studio with me. Uh, so now we're going to be covering a couple of other local stories when we come back, including council taxes about to go up again. Yet again, I'm not happy about that, and I'm sure my listeners are not too. So we're going to be discuss discussing that. I'm really running out of breath. Don't go away. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. Until then, salamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. This is Atif Nawaz, and you're listening to an Inspire FM podcast. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome back to Friday Night Live with me Hafiz Shaban and brother Zafar here in the studio on the 11th of January 2019 and subhanallah first hour of the show is already gone right so that's how quick it is first hour already gone good to get some contributions earlier from some of our listeners uh, we had a call and we've had a couple of social messages too with regards to Pakistan topic one that we we covered uh, first half an hour and, and the second half an hour we've been discussing crash for cash gang which plagued Luton's roads has been put to prison and uh, we were discussing with uh, with a guest in the studio Richard Eastbrook from a local insurance firm with regards to insurance premiums how those are put together and the impact of crash for gang crash for cash rather on insurance policies and premiums that we all have to pay so that was interesting in terms of those discussions but we are going to be moving on to some uh, a few uh, additional local stories so we've got a quite a heavy feature of local stories in this evening's uh, show uh, so with me is going to be uh, brother Zafar that we're going to be covering these brothers Zafar alaikum. I didn't get a proper introduction well, well, of you uh, previously how, how have you been brother alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. you've been well all right, so we've got a couple of local stories that we're going to be covering. Uh, and uh, to cover the next at least one or two stories, I want to also welcome uh, its councillor Paul Clive Dale Castleman. Have I, have I got that right, Paul? That is correct. Thank you very much, Fantastic. Jane. Thank you welcome for inviting to, uh, me. Coming into the Friday Night Live studio, Inspire FM studio, rather, and to the Friday Night Live show. So we're going to be covering a couple of stories, uh, Paul, with you, hopefully. Get a couple of comments from you. Uh, first story is uh, with regards to this red route that's coming to Luton. So this is this is an interesting story that I've seen in in the press. I believe this week, right? So let me let me just give a bit of introduction to our listeners who may not may not have you know followed this story. But no stopping red routes, right? Uh, to be introduced in Luton next week for a six month testing period, right? The red routes will come into effect on Monday, the fourteenth of January, which is 
this Monday, coming Monday. And the area covers the town centre streets of New Bedford Road, Telford Way, Dunstable Road and Wellington Street. And there may be some other streets which, which, which are covered by this, right? So the red routes, for those of us that are not familiar with it and may have not gone into London, I'm sure most of us have gone into London, ventured into London, right? And I believe London is the only other city that I know of, at least, that, you know, implements a, a red route. There may be other cities, yeah, and you're going you're gonna to tell me that, Paul, right? The red route is, in essence, you're not even allowed to stop your car. So it's not the fact that you're not allowed to park your car on, on the double, uh, you know, red lines, right? I mean, that, in, in essence, is, is fulfilled by having the double yellow lines, right? So the, the, red, uh, the red routes are specifically not even allowed to stop your cars there. But, but let, me, let, me introduce, uh, let me welcome and uh, let me go over to Councillor Paul Clive to get his comments. Uh, Paul, uh, what, what was the need to introduce this pilot scheme uh, in, in Luton. What, what, what's the driving factor behind this? Right, the driving factor behind it, you, you have to look at the actual, what is the aim of what is it we're trying to yeah. do. Right? Yeah. What we're trying to do, we're trying to improve traffic flow right. in, in certain um, roads to make sure it, it rose, uh, flows correctly. Right. It's to minimise any obstructions, people parking inconsiderately and, and right. so forth. Right. Improve safety for right. people that are walking on the road and uh, what have you. Mm. Uh, one of the things that I was really concerned with was the improve of air quality. Because if you've got cars in traffic, you know, and they're mm. just blowing up all the exhaust and that, that's all getting out on the pedestrians out there and the people that work there and all the rest of it. So that, to me, was a high highlight for me, was the air quality. But it's also... Air quality, how, how is that impacted by a red route? Impl implementing well, a red route? The, the red route yeah. can improve by getting the traffic flowing more because if right. you're in right. if you're sitting there idling right. you know you've got all the exhaust coming out but so you the don't idea is, is to be sitting there idling if you're stuck in congestion right exactly right. Well, so that's what we're trying to do we're trying right. to move on to move the traffic through right. so it improves traffic flow right, right. the other thing that it's also to, to to help do it supports public transport because mm. if you've got public transport and that's being held up mm. a that's big diesel fumes coming out and all yeah, the rest of yeah. it but then it doesn't help those that are using the, the, the public transport yeah. my aim was also to support local businesses yeah. but again I also really felt for the, the residents that are having to, mm. to put up with some of the um, the traffic situations right, right. as for the mm. as for the press uh, what um, they put in the press this week. I would say the reporter has unwittingly put the wrong information out there. Unwittingly, or, uh, unwittingly. Okay, I don't think he's done that on purpose. Okay. What, what he's done, what I'm looking at, he's probably done some cut and pasting. Yeah. Is actually then. We've already got a, a trial in, in progress at the moment. We've got Airport Way that come out just before. Is that, is that Christmas. red route? That's a red route okay. in Airport Way itself. Okay. Yeah. Now that's actually in trial now. Right. So that's that's there. The next one that we was going for, which was after the Christmas period, was then the town centre. Mm. Now, you are right, the town centre, that's New Bedford Road mm. from Telford to Gordon Street, Gordon Street, Wellington Street, Upper George Street, Elmer Link, a little bit of Inkerman Street. Right. 
So, so, so let, let, let's ex- explain that also for our listeners because I yes. mean, I was speaking to someone earlier and he thought that the red route means that you can't actually park your car there. And I said, no, 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 that's not what the red route is. Otherwise, you get that from the double yellow yeah. lines, right? So, yeah. what's the difference? So, 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 the difference, all the difference is, is at the moment you'll have some um, parking bays mm. and you'll have loading bays and, right. and, and so forth. Mm. And you'll have either a yellow or a single line. Yeah. They're yellow. Mm. All we're changing is from the yellow to the right, mm. to, to red. So, you'll still be able to park in designated areas yeah. um, the red route itself mm. you can actually taxis can still drop off and pick up people oh they can Pe- yes okay. that's still part that's part of the order mm. that's gone through mm. Mm. Uh, similar for people with disabled you know Right. Wanting to drop off and pick up, you know. So they can on the, they on can the also, red route too, can yeah, they? Yeah, the, okay. the, the other thing is if it's a single yellow l- red line yeah. in, in any of the areas, then depending on the timing that's on the board that there, you yeah. can also then park there out of hours, basically. Ah, okay. So there so, is... So there's a concept a of a single red and a double there, red. Yeah, there, there is, is there? There is, and, okay. and that's all. that's all in... That's all in there. All the all the roads. It's getting very complicated for for the average driver like me. I mean, I get confused with a single yellow and a double yellow. And 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 to to add to my confusion earlier, someone was telling me that in Luton, a single yellow line, even if you park on a public holiday, has the same rules applied to it Monday to Friday as a normal weekday. Is that true? It's Monday to Saturday. So it's the same rules whether it's a public holiday or not a public holiday. Public holidays would be the double yellow line. Right, I mean, but I, I, I thought that even the single yellow line is exempt, so I can go and, and, and park there Monday to Friday if it's a public holiday, for example. Uh, and someone's telling me, no, you can't. Bank holiday. Bank holiday, you've exactly. Still got, but again... But, but this is very, still got, this is still very, confu- to, very confusing to, for the average driver, right? Well, you know actually, I mean? you say the average driver. The average driver has actually passed the driving test, and part of the driving test, you need to know the highway yeah, code. I passed it, now, so, you know, to be I fair, 25 years I, ago, I, I passed mine 60 years ago. Well, there you go. And at the time, you know... So I, I do appreciate it, but we have to look at today and, yeah, and today yeah. that you have to follow right, all, yeah. all that there. But I am glad that you've given me the opportunity because I have had some phone calls. Oh, but you're going to be going into Dunstable Road and Leegrave Road. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, that one's all been put on hold because mm. we listened to the to the to the residents and to inspire the him. Yeah, because we come playing a pivotal role again in the community, which is good. But to we are that. actually working with the local businesses, yeah. and once we've got some kind of a scheme where we're looking at to take the buses off for the Dunstable Road and yeah. that. then we'll be looking again but again we need to really we need to really make the point why it is what we're trying to do yeah. to get on board because right. at the moment I come along Dunstable Road just now to be honest with you you've still got people parking near there and area yeah, we've yeah. got to try and stop, stop yeah, that but, but somehow I was, I, was, I was going to say Paul I mean th- yeah. this is not another money making scheme oh is no it it's not council? a money maker no. we're going to introduce no. the cameras auto automatic you know number plate recognition and here comes in the fines and then in a couple of years yeah. time I'm going to say that no, yeah. council I, I, think, I think it's very important so, so much it, revenue but, but from the red route I mean you know we, we know what all happens in London what's important you'll only get a fine if you're breaking the law Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all fine and well no, said. No, no. Well, well said. So but I, I, I mean, think the, pro- yeah. the problem is going to be. Uh, I think mm-hmm. th- there's a couple of things I want to say on this. Um, I know uh, Luton's keen to introduce these red routes. Uh, apart from Wellington Street, which I think has got a parking issue, 
Um, the other sort of streets that have been picked, some of them are dual carriageways. Uh, the, the the airport way, I'm not sure who parks there, to be honest. Mm. Um, so This is not... the old airport way. Right. It's not, okay. not the one from the motorway. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so I, I think, to be honest, I think in some ways yes. this is an exercise in futility, right, because it's not going to make a difference unless you roll out to bigger, bigger areas where there is a parking issue. Mm. Uh, and I guess you're coming to that once you've trialled this. Uh, uh, but the other thing is, is enforcement, right? Mm. So... You're going to have to sort of employ people, right, to enforce these, mm. aren't you? Right? Um, and then you're going to get people... Well, employ technology, uh, Brother Zafar. No, it's not necessarily... You know, I think the, the technology was tried before and it's found to be illegal. The central government banned it, didn't they? As far as enforcement is concerned, then it's, it enhances... To make it's a enforcement cost. a little bit easier it's, it's, because it's you can do it via the CCTV camera, yeah. but we can also do it as we do it now yeah. with um, civil enforcement officers. Yeah. So right. it, it's, it, it, it's they're both there. But again, right. I come back. But the only person that's going to get it would be someone that's parked inconsiderate. Well, the, 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 the other, there, the other way is mm. there's, in this lane we have that you've got right of appeal. So mm. anybody gets any parking ticket that mm. they need to appeal. And, and, and take it from there. You can't, you but can't sort not, of defend. It's not about getting money. Mm, yes, I, I, I'm, well, not, I'm not sure about that, Paul, because I think everything's well, revenue-driven these days. That's, uh, that's, I'm about that, to come on to a few complaints that, that I've got when it comes to my council view, tax. And, and, and I appreciate your view. That's your view. Yeah. That's not my view. Yeah, that's, Zafir, were you going to say something? I mean, yeah. you, uh, I'm going to say it's, it's probably not a money-making scheme. It's a money-expenditure scheme because mm. you're going to have to get more more sort of enforcement officers mm. are going to have to go around giving tickets to people, mm. etc. Mm. But but I do agree there is a culture mm. uh, where people just, they just become so lazy. They will just park anywhere. Mm. And, and I can tell you on the way here, mm. right, uh, I was just sort of pulling out from, I think it's Lincoln Road or, or mm. one of the, 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 the roads after that. And there's this chap just parked right in the corner with his headlights on, mm. right? And you know how busy Dunstable Road is, right? Mm. And I just couldn't turn. I couldn't see anything. Mm. I, so the pe people have now... For them, it's it's me first. Mm. As long as my common interests are served, right? right it doesn't matter about everybody else. And I think right. anything that could be done, right, to change that culture, yeah, yeah. right, I think I'm in, I'm in favour of. Favor of. Okay, so just the last question on this subject uh, to to Paul. Mm -hmm. All right, how how are we going to be informing our you know drivers and our community with regards to these changes and and the red route? Right. Well, how, how are we going to be you know communicating that? Well, that's being communicated. Right. It's been communicated for last almost 12 months now. Right. But basically, the, the, the changes will be on the road signs. Right. Where they, so if you park in there, you'll be yeah. seeing that there's okay. signs. There too. Okay. But there is, there is methods. It's okay. same as because it's a trial, mm. what we need you to do is, uh, and it is in the papers, where you can actually then put your thoughts okay. and your comments. That will okay. all come back to, uh, to uh, right. executive to make a final decision right. whether to okay. carry on or right. what. So that's fantastic. So it's a six-month trial, correct? It's a six-month trial, okay. yeah. All right, very good. So listeners, I want to get some uh, thoughts. I want to get some feedback on our listeners. Uh, Lutonians, 01582481822 is the number. If you want to speak to Paul or any of us here in the studio and get your thoughts with regards to the proposed red route coming to Luton, right? Uh, the next local story, Paul, I, I would love to get a couple of comments. I know you're not the portfolio holder for this particular area, but what is the, what are these headlines I'm seeing? Luton Council tax 
could be set to rise by 2.99. I mean, well, might as well say 3%. I mean, uh, we're, we're already paying enough council tax as it is. And then further to that, you can see where my pessimism and, and uh, you know, kind of is coming earlier with regards to revenue making, right? And, and uh, you know, money making is that, you know, we've just a couple of months ago, I remember here in the studio, we were discussing, you know, all of this, uh, you know, a, a new policy that's been introduced with regards to the, the wheel bins, you know, the dustbins, you know, uh, you know and, and uh, the collections going from a weekly to, to a fortnightly. And that was obviously there were other benefits that were you know trying to be argued from a council perspective. But at the end of the day, it's about saving money uh, from a council pers perspective. And now more council tax, my council tax bill is going to go higher yet again, uh, and the services are going down. What's happening here? Right. Well, basically, uh, the, the the council tax is is generally looked at each year. Yeah. Right, there's an actual cap on it by government. Let me go part over three percent, then mm. they will actually then stop yeah, it. At 3%. So that's why it's two point nine nine percent. Yeah. Well, to be <laughs> to be, to be okay, fair, yeah, we are yeah, not yeah, the only council. Right. But what you've got to remember yeah. is, although people probably can't appreciate, and we've we've said it all before, the government so far has already cut a hundred million pound, a hundred million pound from our revenue budget. Now, we've still got another £23 million to find within the next two years, and then we're going to have nothing. Now, as a, as a council, we have to look at everything. Now, I can hear what you're saying about, mm. well, why am I paying for this and that? Well, we've got to remember that the biggest budget goes on adult services and children's services. Mm. Now, they, they cost an awful lot. Even now, we're, we're, we're over budget on our children. We've got to find ways of actually trying to reduce that. Mm. The very, very good thing for Luton is the fact that we've got an airport. We've got an airport that we own. That's our... So It doesn't, hasn't done us any good, has it? Well, of course uh, it lo has. Local taxi drivers I, will I, tell yeah, you they, 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 they've, they, lost, they've lost their livelihood, right, to an outsider. Outside firm, so right? What, yeah, so what does it matter? Yeah. Well, that, that was a decision, right, that was made by the Lau Board. At the end of the day, when it was at the time, the local ones didn't actually then apply for it. But that's a question that, under the new concession, it will be dealt with then. At the moment, because of contracts, you can't do that. But, like I said, the airport, the airport has really given us money. I know you can't see it no, no, yourself, it is, but it's actually it, it, it's it does. It's local, if, you know, if we in local employment, if it's, we a, didn't, it's a big employer. If we I, didn't I can have the airport, that, yeah, you yeah. believe me, the yeah. cuts that we'd be making, yeah. it would be really affecting yeah. people now. So yeah. I'm, I am grateful for the fact that we have kept the airport, yeah. and it is helping us no two ways about it yes we've still got some hard decisions to make because yeah, like, like, like I've four, said 20, four, 23 four. million it's still going to be very very difficult because we've cut everything as far as we see we go so, so I, I mean, a, to, to be fair to the council, apparently there's two engagement events that are, the public are being invited to in, in, the, in the mall to explain. Is it? In terms that's of, right. Next well, next week. Yes. All right. So I mean that, that sounds like a, a step in the right direction. But mm -hmm. I'm, I'm I'm sure. I mean at the moment with the, with the austerity measures still you know in place, people's incomes you know not not rising at all. Come the new year, and the first thing you hear is. Real, you know, real fares are going up. Everything is going up. Cash tax is going up, but the services are the same and the wages are the same. I mean, that that yeah. just can't be. Well, whilst you might tell me the blaming, airport and blaming and these your local council isn't yeah. the way of doing it. You actually blame the Tory government no, that you've no, got but, in. But of why, course, you blame the government. You must blame the government because yeah, it's but the government. Why doesn't the local council the... go and get some of this extra funding from the government? It's but, all good telling me to in, go in, blame in the a, government. In an ideal scenario. 
Each local authority should be self-financing. We shouldn't be extending our arms out to central government anyway, right? Uh, and if we're not, if we're relying on central government, that means there's a problem, right, in the way the local authorities are dealing with revenue generation and, 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 and attracting investment. That's a completely different view. That's one that I've heard before. I've heard that from the Liberal Party, that actually it should be locally that. Well, you have to consider... The town that we are, we are what they class as a, a low-wage economy. We have got some people with some very, very good jobs and all the rest of it, but the bulk of our people are on on those low low type of wages. And that. So we have to look at after people like that. If you're out in central beds, central beds is completely different. They've got nice big houses and that. They actually get more money than what they, we do, even though we've got the need. Mm. So it is a hard one, unfortunately, until we change this horrible government that we've got. Yeah. We need to start sharing it so that right. we do 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 things all right okay all right uh paul thank you very much for your for your time uh, this evening so we've been covering the non-stopping red routes coming to luton from next week and the council tax increase and you're telling us unfortunately until the government doesn't change there's not much that you can do about it i mean that's not when we do do uh, what they call savings, I call cuts. I've, I've, we really I mean, look at the the disadvantages. We I'm, must look after. I mean, those I mean brothers, Africa can probably remember better yes. than me. I, I don't remember the council tax ever, ever being frozen or actually dropping. Never, it's it's never, always increasing year in and year. More than inflation mm. as well every year. More than inflation. Right. Yeah, but the thing is, I think I think I, I guess the people who do the the strategy for Luton, right? They're, they're, mm. I'm, I'm sure they've got their reasons for going for investments in the way they do. But to mm -hmm. me. Four billion pounds right on this airport link to the railway station seems like a bit, a bit excessive and a bit of waste of money, to be honest. Four billion. I can't, I can't see. I can't see how the local businesses and local authority, uh, sorry, local people are going to benefit from that in any way. You're going to get, you're going to get people right coming, you know, uh, travellers right from all over the country. You're going to benefit from that, but not locals. Where, where's the the result from? That a four billion pounds investment. Where is Luton going to get that? You know, return on that investment to get that money back. It just seems that that people who kind of like make these decisions, right, just make it, you know, on the assumption that that uh, you know that there will be some good rather than actually calculating. So, so how, how much is being spent on this uh, on on this rail link it, then? It's four billion pounds. Four. Four billion pounds. That was in a, that was in yeah. the head headlines. Well, that's, that's false, sir. That was in the headlines yeah. about. Uh, he, that was in the headlines about. Three or four years ago, when the the, the, the scheme was announced, that sounds a, like a lot of a lot of money. It's a lot of money. I I, I, I hope you, the you financial right, modelling is quite correct there to, <laughs> there, to see what is the cost there versus is, what, what is the return on investment here. There is a cost to everything, but actually, oh. when you do business cases, the whole idea so is. So how much you, is it then? All right. Sorry, what the cost? The cost I, for the, for the cost, rail. Cost it was two hundred and twenty million pound. Right. Two hundred and twenty okay. million pound. All right. Well, I, I think that that's it's a story. to get more passengers up to the airport. More passengers you get, more, more money more traffic, you get, and more, all the rest more, of it. More, more revenue, well, all right. So, so, all things like that. So, so, I, so, I agree so with you. That, that's the theory. Uh, Paul, thank you very much for yeah, coving into okay. the studio. I've got to move on to my last story, local story. Uh, no, it's always great to have you here in the studio, Councillor Paul Clive Dale awesome. Castleman. Thank you very much this, uh, for coming this evening.
Right, listeners, that was a local councillor, and it's always good to hear from you, our listeners, with regards to your views, right? A, on the on the red route that is being proposed. B, council tax yet to increase again, right? You've heard my views, you've heard Brother Zafar's views, and you've heard the councillor's views. Is it justified another 3% increase year in and year out, and the services seems to be dropping? I, I don't know, it's a question mark in my mind, but I'm sure a lot of our listeners and a lot of the people from the community will be struggling with yet another increase cost to their uh, to the average uh, you know household bills right this is incredible in terms of what's happening but anyway i've, I've got about uh, four minutes remaining and uh, it doesn't justify uh, it doesn't do justice to my next story four minutes but i'm going to try to cover that with brother Tariq. and this is some positive news uh, in, in 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 the press mashallah positive news in terms of the fact that inspire fm's doing been doing and the community obviously with the community has been doing some positive uh fundraising 10k donations from radio listeners brother Tariq. uh Listeners of community radio station Inspire FM have raised a staggering £10,000 for Luton Food Bank's winter campaign. Fantastic, man. Wow, what's been happening? Assalamu alaikum. Yes, indeed. Alhamdulillah, it was, uh, it was amazing. Uh, a lot better than expected, as always. Uh, we teamed up with uh, with Luton Food Bank. Uh, as it, with every winter, we have a winter campaign. And we try to support a local cause. Uh, we do lots, alhamdulillah, as do many charities uh, across the borders and help people across the world. But of course, every winter, we try to look for a local cause and this year uh, one of our managers brother Faz uh, suggested that uh, we should try to look at and help those families who suffer in the holidays uh, a lot of families unfortunately are not those families who will look forward to the holidays as to where their next holiday de- holiday destination is going to be yeah. they actually are not looking forward to the holidays because the kids will be at home yeah. they will not benefit from free school meals and unfortunately yeah. they're actually waiting for the schools to start again yeah. purely to be able to uh, get back to those free school meals right. so it was all in aid to help those families uh, and alhamdulillah as you can see the £10,000 raised uh, the, the target itself was actually £5,000. Are you serious? I was, I was going to ask you, you just you just taken my second question out of my mouth. So the target wasn't 10000 it was yep. 5000 and we were achieved 10000 So we were actually wow. we were Double. actually initially trying to uh, trying to give at least £20 towards a family food pack. Yeah. So £20 to help food bank to yeah. provide a food pack for a family. Yeah. So we were trying to help uh, and provide food for 250 families, mm. uh, hence the target of five thousand pounds but as you can see alhamdulillah the community of luton doesn't just give uh, it gives uh, in in double amounts alhamdulillah and we managed to reach ten thousand pounds that's just literally in one week that was raised in one week. In one week. So that that's a massive shout out for our for our community. Well done. Absolutely amazing Fantastic. community. Fantastic. I mean, I mean it was, it's, you know, it's great when I pick up the local paper, right? It's you know, uh, you know, it's dropped and I just pick it up and I think it's going to be just contain negative stories, right? But this time I actually read through and it's good. I saw your picture in there. Alhamdulillah. I thought fantastic. We're, we're going to cover that on the radio, even if it's for four minutes, five minutes, mashallah. So, go on, bro. Alhamdulillah. I think I think there's there's. Uh, although our name is on there, yeah. in effect, we're, we're kind of the, the the people who shout. It's yeah. the people who actually donated, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. The, they're, they're the ones who deserve the, I guess, the uh, the mention. Yeah. And I think also the the people who, who worked with us to actually claim uh, were some partners as well. Elizabeth uh, VC was was involved in in doing some fundraising. No, no, the, 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 it was literally the Luton community. One shout out does go to uh, Medina Masjid. In fact, uh, yeah. of course, you know, we have twenty five masjids in Luton, yeah. uh, but they heard of the campaign, saw the mm-hmm. campaign, mm-hmm. and took it upon themselves to do mm-hmm. a Juma collection for it yeah. uh, and raised a thousand pounds. Alhamdulillah. Oh, wow. So uh, uh, Luton uh, Medina Masjid that gave a thousand pounds for it. But it was literally right. the listeners uh, and businesses, of course, uh, yeah. of Luton. All right, fantastic. We we unfortunately ran out of time, brother Tariq. Fantastic. 
fantastic. Unfortunately, I couldn't do justice to it in, in the three, four minutes that I allocate to the story. But a big shout out again to the Luton uh, community, Muslim community, uh, others, non-Muslim community who actually contributed. Great, fantastic fee, gr great achievement. £10,000 raised for Luton Food Bank's winter campaign led by Inspire FM. That is exactly why we need Inspire FM, and that's a fantastic initiative, guys. Well done, and keep continuing the good work. Right, we're going to go into a commercial break. Last half an hour, couple of uh, well, last half an hour, we're going to try to spend some time uh, reflecting upon 2019. 2019. That's what I'm going to be doing in the last half an hour. But don't go away. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. Until then, assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to Friday Night Live with me, <coughs> Hafiz Shaban and Brother Zafar here in the studio on this uh, 11th of January 2000, 2019 evening. And subhanAllah, I was just uh, commenting earlier, just during the break, how almost the two hours are already up, right? So subhanAllah, I didn't even notice, but an hour and a half has already gone by. And uh, mashallah, we've been covering a number of stories over the last hour and a half. Uh, it's always great to hear from you, our listeners, 015. 582-481-822 Be brave, pick up that phone and speak to us here in the studio. I promise we do not bite, definitely. And uh, you know what? We, we, we welcome all, all of your thoughts, right? Your views. I mean, number of stories. Pakistan was discussed. Okay, uh, Bill Gates, you know, showing an interest to invest in, in Pakistan. That, that was a, a, an interesting story. Lord Nazir stopped at Islamabad airport. What's, what's going on there? I thought Lord Nazir would receive a VIP treatment at the airport. So I was a bit surprised. I think something is going on there. I'm going to ask Brother Zafar in a minute with regards to his uh, his perspective. Crash for cash gang plagues Luton's roads, right? So what's this going on in Luton, right? And one thing that I didn't mention earlier, right, is just another thing giving Luton a bad name, right? We've already got, you know, a lot of bad negative, you know, media coverage. And, you know, we, we could do with less of that. Uh, so that that's another story that we covered. And then uh, just before the break, we were covering some local stories, more local stories. There's been a lot of local stories stories this, this week in, in, in the press so it's good that we're covering that because being a local station is good to get those stories covered right so a red route coming to Luton from next week apparently it's already been here in some areas but it's coming next week so watch out for that make sure you're aware of where you're where you're driving where you're parking and where you're potentially about to stop because you don't want to stop in a red route you may end up with a fine and then of course we were covering the council tax yet rises yet again come come April I believe when the new council tax builds come out right uh, and then a fantastic story mashallah inspire fm pivotal in raising 10k for the local food bank over the winter campaign so wow man i've been covering, we've been covering so many stories and uh, and hence i don't know where the one and a half hours went right uh, but subhanAllah, I want to just quickly, you know, get Brother Zephyr's views on a, on a couple of the, the, those stories earlier that I covered when Brother Zephyr wasn't in the studio. Right, Bill Gates, you know, you know, showing interest to invest in Pakistan, uh, Brother Zephyr. I mean, it would sound like a, a positive news. I mean, you know, we've got our competitors, neighbors, India, you know, 
almost I'm going to say light years ahead of us, right? I don't know if you're going to agree with that statement or not. Light years ahead of us in terms of technology, infrastructure, you know, it's become a, a you know, a, a, you know, it's become a foundation, right, for, for technology and innovation and, and for technology, you know, organizations wanting to go into India and establishing their bases. The fact that now we're hearing something similar with Pakistan is definitely good news. Sounds like good news. What, what do you make of it? Well, I think when the story broke, I wasn't quite sure whether Bill Gates was uh, representing Microsoft or mm. he or his uh, his new uh, the foundation. Right, right. So I, I, when I read the story, I thought it was about the, pol- the polio campaign yeah, that he's got yeah. going and and help working in the health sector to eradicate some of the uh, um, you know some of the correct uh, the polio right the, the po- polio the other, other illnesses yeah. I think he's in malaria and polio and stuff yes. like that he's working on yeah. so that that's the impression I got but apparently yeah. there's been a twist on it to uh, suggest to suggest it is Microsoft's gonna uh, I'm not sure he's actually physically involved in Microsoft anymore. The running of Microsoft anymore. Yeah. So not, not not directly, but but here I've got the article in front of me. Is it actually says wait, wait, which which paper is that from? Uh, it was from one of the Pakistani press, right? Yes. He, that, they're, they're they're the ones I think were conflating. I, I I when I read it, I think it's the Pakistani papers who are conflating Microsoft right with his Gates Foundation. Right. So so this this one actually says is is actually he, he actually visited with the World Health Organization. Yes. Right. Which seems to indicate that it's <laughs> yeah exactly. It's more the foundation right, rather than Microsoft. Exactly. Exactly. But having having said that, I, mm. I don't want to sort of put put a dampener on it. But mm. uh, the 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 youngest person right to get an MCSE Microsoft certification yeah. right was from Pakistan. Somebody I think in the age of nine or ten. Really? Right. And wow. then there are some extremely sort of capable people in Pakistan, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, some some youngsters there. And and uh, in terms of uh in terms of the no, just in terms of technology, I mean I've in terms part- of technology, in terms of apps, yeah. in terms of uh, you know, e commerce, yeah, that yeah, type yeah. of thing. I think yeah. Pakistan is progressing very yeah. rapidly. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, and in terms of some of the you know, some of these this animation movies that you see, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? some of them are actually done in Pakistan. Yeah, yeah, some of exactly, the major, major exactly. names are I've actually Israel. I mean the point that I was gonna make is I've actually been to you know Karachi, Lahore and I've actually met uh, yeah, and, and done business with some of these, you know, set, you know, startups, right? Yeah. Technology startups, and some of these uh, tech, uh, technology, you know, uh, kind of uh, startup firms are being led by people. Cambridge University, a, a very right. good, fr- fr- you know, a friend's friend, right. Cambridge University graduate, you know, from Pakistan, gone back to Karachi, and you know, uh, has got his set up in Karachi, got his set up in Lahore. But of course, you, you've had the political situation in Pakistan that hasn't but given that, that's, rise that's to investment, right? Thing. That's the key thing, right? You know, there, there's a, there's a, I think there's a measure called ease of doing business, right? Mm. And Pakistan is not good at that at mm. all. Mm. I think Imran Khan is trying to sort of change the, uh, uh, it a little bit. Even I think some local businesses. I was speaking to somebody yesterday uh, who was trying to get some some web work done, some app yeah. work done, yeah, and yeah. I think got quotes from Eastern European and and quotes yeah. from from India and, and Pakistan yeah. and all that. Yeah. And he was very surprised with the attitude of some of the Pakistani developers. I mean, yeah. they just kind of like, you know, it's really difficult to sort of try and get them to engage in, in what you're trying to do. And yeah. it's, I think there's there's a lot to progress. Mm. There's a lot of talent there, but but in terms of the environment in which to do business, there's mm. there's a lot that needs to happen, mm, mm. and I think Pakistan has has got the fact that there's there's a big diaspora in the world, mm. similar to India. So India mm. didn't start off right by itself. Yeah. Yeah. India's investment came from the diaspora, from mm. people who are, you know, the you know who are big outside of India came yeah. in and invested in India. Right. That thing definitely can happen in Pakistan, but. Mm. 
the political situation, the economic situation of the Pakistan itself, mm. the infrastructure needs to improve mm. and improve sort of rapidly. Yeah. And I think Imran Khan, right, is is I think he's he knows that needs to happen. Yeah. And he's trying very he's, he's very best. Yes. But having said that, the, the you know the. The stability of the political situation in Pakistan is far that, from that. That's being. beyond the, almost. I was going to say, Imran Khan, steps in the right direction is what you're telling me. Yeah, steps yeah, in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. It, there's, there's no doubt with regards to the the, the capability and absolutely, the, the potential. Right. right? We, we see that. We see that globally. We see, you know, the the, the potential is there. Is actually then facilitating and and and, pro, and providing the provisions there and you know, the processes, right, so that you can harness that that mm. talent. That that that's the key thing. I mean, you know, to, it's interesting that you said that because uh you know i know uh, you know, uh, you know uh, not i was gonna say expats but pakistan is born here educated here you know been working for a number of years here and now gone to pakistan uh, you mm. know and, and trying to set up something in pakistan because of the cultural the success and the society is, is, and, and is you know want to establish no of course there is right but want to establish their families and, and settle their families there because of other, all other reasons right and then trying to you know build and, and you know technology and, and their links in that but of course you, you, it's not as easy it's not it's not easy mm. and i think the reason it's not easy is because everything comes down to the 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 way the society is now it's all mm. the society is, is about themselves mm. right and, and i point to and and i'm not just saying you know, everybody's like that mm. there are there are some really really decent people in pakistan mm. really intelligent people right who care about the country mm. care about the religion etc mm. but you know there's a lot more lot of lot of people there who are mm. in not playing the game effectively in the, in the yeah. right way there's no yeah. level playing field and i'll yeah. give you an example uh, I remember the late 90s, right? Yeah. The, you know, when Musharraf came to power, mm. his immediate step was to appoint somebody to look at the IT sector mm. to see if, if it can develop it. Mm. And and I think initially he appointed, I'm not going to name names, but he appointed somebody who was really, really capable, mm. right? And within two years... Well, you're telling we, me it wasn't a brigadier, no? No, 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 it, was, it wasn't a brigadier. It was somebody who was really capable, right? And within yeah. a couple of years, he set policies and frameworks in place and and now you see Pakistan right is is probably the ninth biggest user uh, user of mobile phones and it's all started off by a few years by somebody who was really dedicated in you know, other years mm. but you know shortly after it was replaced by a drunken nephew of a politician right mm. who just didn't know how to do anything and used to turn up to investment forums drunk Mm. Right, and and that kind of drove all the investment uh, away, and that's the problem you got. You got people who are politicians, right, who are you know putting people in in sort of senior places, right, mm. who are not capable of doing oh, the job, and, yeah. and it's, it's, it's nepotism and yeah, yeah. cronyism and all yeah. of that. And as the sooner that goes away, mm. and this is why I truly believe that Imran Khan is in the right the right direction. He's got mm. a lot of hurdles in his way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but if he can achieve even a proportion of that, mm. then I think Pakistan will be a really, really good place to. Uh, so, 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 so that's interesting. Let, let, let's contrast that, right, with uh, you know the post hundred days. Obviously, it's been well over a hundred days now, right? I think that was in November. So what's happening with the, with all of this now? Inflation going up, price, the cost of living going up, right? We've seen the depreciation of the rupee. We've seen the large hiking gas tariffs. You know, non. Chapati, flour, ghee, cooking oil, soap—all on the increase. I, 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 it's a very tough balancing game, isn't it? That's that's. Going it is. On. It is, and I think it's, it's it's basically you know, the government trying to free itself from the mm. yoke of debt, mm. right? It's got to pay off. It's got to pay off a debt, otherwise it's going to default. Mm. If it defaults, it's going to be a lot worse than that. Mm. If Pakistan was to default, if the the Saudi Arabians, the UAEs, and 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 the Chinese 
didn't give, didn't put dollars in Pakistani banks, Pakistan mm. already defaulted. Mm. And if it defaulted, mm. believe me, it would have been a lot worse. It would have been a lot worse. But is it, uh, isn't the precedences of of South American, you know, countries defaulting and saying, you know, what, we've had enough of all yes, of this nonsense? Yeah, it's true. And let, let us start it, it, fresh, right? And and they, here's our blueprint for, for, yeah, for starting. Twenty model. years, ten, twenty years, it took them, right? Yeah. I took Brazil probably a good ten years, right, yeah. before it turned the corner. Yeah, right. And, and, so, and so and we Arge- have Arge- to, Arge- Arge- to, to go that, down that route, right? No, no, yeah, but it's, it's completely a, in strangling us ourselves again and again with more debt and more debt and more debt. I, I, I mean, realistically, is it ever going to be paid? Well, I, I think that's a good question. I think in Pakistan, it's good. Pakistan is a. Uh, I, th- I think it's got a good future ahead of it, right? right? As long as things are done in the right way, and Shut I think up. you can pay off. Hmm. And if you look at the the debt versus GDP ratio, hmm. it is high, but it's not as high as some other places. Right. It's not high as America, for example. Hmm. Right? It's about three hundred percent or whatever. Crazy. Yeah. 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 Uh, so. uh, absolutely. All right, and, and I, I want to also get your thoughts on on the other story, right? So this was well, when I when I heard this, it was a bit of a laugh. I, I thought the likes of the fact that you got a lord against your name, Sheikh. I I, I thought you know that when you go through. Uh, uh, any any country and especially Pakistan being a Pakistani it's like a VIP treatment a very important person what's this Lord Nazir get, going to Pakistan Islamabad and, and then not allow, and allowed entry into Pakistan and it took him uh, I don't know how many hours and he's obviously not it's, very it's, happy, it's, happy about Nia Pakistan uh, administration on, but what's, what's going on what's your interpretation well, of that well to be honest it's Nia Pakistan isn't it right so if the, no, pre- what, if the, if the president sense? if the president takes scheduled flights on PIA yeah. and not a private jet right that's yeah. Nia Pakistan and I think uh, but I, I, there is I a bet bit his of, entertainment system was working on that PIA. <laughs> I bet you, probably, you didn't get yeah. the same catering services that I, 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 I got recently. I, 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 I know, I know, and, and the cockroaches and all yeah, those stories exactly. I've heard as well. Yes, yeah, so, I know. I heard that, but uh, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know what to say about. Uh, to be honest, there's, there's a bit of confusion, and um, I don't know if, if Lord Nazir. Uh, there's lots of lords, isn't it? Lots of people who are actually sort of influential people around the world, right? Mm. Go there, so maybe there's a there's a but, but bit, a bit you, of a VIP fatigue, maybe. I right. Don't know. So, so just just so that it's uh, for the sake of clarity for our listeners, right? We try to reach out to the Pakistani embassy consulate, some kind of representation, right, to try to clarify the situation on the NICOP, right? So that that's actually genuinely been. I've, I've got the reports in front of me, right? Articles, news articles saying that part and parcel of Imran Khan's kind of initiative to, uh, you know, to in, in, in you know. Uh, to uh, kind of attract yeah expats coming back to Pakistan, you know that uh, you know revenue coming back, the Pakistanis coming back, that they're going to make it easier for expats to visit Pakistan, right? So you don't you won't need your ICOP cards and you won't need this and you won't need that, and we're going to make it easy. Let them come, let them bring in that revenue, right? So there was an article which which was suggesting that you know this is all going to be done well, away well, with, it's, but it's, now it's they're your... saying no, 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 you need an ICOP and you need a valid ICOP card. So it seems to be contradictory well, no, it's, information it, it's that's not, coming out. So not... we need to get that clarified. Well, it, well. Uh, you know, whenever rules within the UK are introduced to do with sort of passports and whatever, mm. right, the announcements are made and it's quite clear from the announcements, right, that the implementation will happen in sometime in the future. And they'll yeah, give you a date. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you've got preparation time, implementation time. So it looks like the decision was made in the government, right, and the newspapers mm. reported it straight away as if magically immediate the, uh, 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 immediately the next day it will come yeah. into effect, yeah. right? And, it's, it's you know, it's wrong. Uh, but having said that, uh, you know, pe- people, if you go anywhere in Pakistan without a card, mm. right, you're not going to get very far. You yeah. can't book a hotel, you can't get a telephone, you can't get anything without a card, an mm. ID card, mm. right? And so, you know, if you might be able to go from this country using an old passport or whatever, but what are you going to do when you get there? Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? So uh, ultimately, you know, it might be a concession, right, given to sort of 
people want to just go there for a couple of weeks, right? And then, you know, be tourists and come back again. Mm. But if you've got connection with Pakistan, you have to have a card. Mm. Mm. The bottom line. Yeah, all right. Fair, fair, fair enough. All right. Jazakallah, Brother Zafar, for sharing your thoughts on, on, on those stories. Anything else? I mean, there, there has actually been a lot of local stories, right? There was another story that I wanted to cover locally. Again, not, not very good reading. Armed gang threatens looting drivers with large hunting knives and shotgun in double car robbery. I mean, this was a horrific story. Mm-hmm. Thursday, 10th of January, local press. Uh, apparently, two men were returning to their cars in the Crawley, uh, I, I don't know where this is, right? Crawley Road car park, just off Telford Way, when they were approached by three men, each armed with large hunting-style knives, right? Yeah. Uh, one was carrying a firearm. The offenders demanded the men hand over their phones, their car keys, and then took off the, with their cars, and drove them towards the M1 and, and, and they're gone, right? Mm. Now, I mean, the only point that I'm going to make here, right, is for our listeners to really be careful. Really be careful. I mean, it's 9pm, well, uh, so it's going to be obviously quite dark, right? I don't know where this place is. You probably know it better than I do. Crawley Road Car Park, right? So I don't know if it's not a well-lit area, for example, right? Where you're approaching your cars, you might see some people, uh, you know, around, you know, kind of acting suspiciously and suddenly you approach with them, you know, carrying these, you know, you know, weapons, right? Uh, and then literally, uh, you know, carjacked and take, and their cars taken, uh, uh, you know, off them. Mm. But I think I think you have to try and sort of put all these things in, into context. To be mm. honest, I think there is that there is crime. You know, you have to say, that, you know, that, that there isn't a crime. Mm. Everybody has to be sort of conscious, but you can't be scared of these things. Mm. Uh, there is, there's always. Thing is, uh, with newspapers, with with sort of radio, even as well, mm. uh, you know. Uh, news out of the ordinary makes, you know, makes headlines, mm. right? But then again, it skews reality. Yeah. The reality is that, you know, I've lived in Luton, right? You know, Alhamdulillah, for over forty years, right? Oh, and I've not, I've not come across any such incidents. May Allah protect you. May Allah, may Allah protect me. Inshallah. May Allah protect you. May Allah protect all, all of our listeners. But right. it is becoming a. Well, there, there are incidents, and there's mm. always been incidents, right? Mm. You know, people have been shot, been stabbed, all yeah, sorts yeah, of different exactly. things. Yeah. Uh, but the, uh, the message is be careful be careful be right, safe but, but don't be scared no 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 yeah exactly don't be don't be scared inshallah saying that I mean it's, it's quite difficult when, when suddenly you know someone pops along with, well, with, with know, that yes, in, in, in their hand threatening threatening you uh, and you have to hand over your, your car keys right but be safe uh, be alert right uh, and be careful inshallah ta'ala, and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he protects all of us and protects our community and mm-hmm. our listeners right so mm-hmm. so those are all of the stories that I wanted to cover on, on tonight's show mashallah we still got about 10 minutes remaining and in those 10 minutes remaining I wanted to actually look ahead right to 2019 look ahead 2019 I mean I gave my khutbah today in uh, in Canary Wharf right uh, so you know most of the people week one back to work right okay uh, you know and you got new you know projects okay new milestones new kind of uh, objectives being laid down you know you're looking fresh to 2019 and you know everyone's gonna, gonna be kind of getting into that spirit of things I, I you know what I, I thought you know what do I do? What do I deliver as a as a subject matter for khutbah, right? Mm-hmm. So I thought, you know what, there was there was an ayah in the Quran which really struck out to me for for a while, and I thought, let me go and read the tafsir and let me see what Ibn Kathir and the other mufassirin said with regards to this ayah, and, and I thought, let me link that to. 2019 and a new Gregorian calendar, right, in, in, in the same context, right? And let me see if I can uh, match these two things together. And the ayah was uh, in Surah An-Nisa, ayah 136, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayuhallazina amanu, aminu. Right? It's a really interesting ayah, which is, O you who believe, believe. 
Mm-hmm. Right? All you who believe, believe. And I, and I thought, you know, I, obviously the ayah continues, but I thought, what a fantastic point to reflect upon. All you who believe, believe. Right? So why is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instructing the, the, the believers, addressing the believers here, and then asking the believers to believe? Surely the believers believe. Right? But why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala need to instruct the believers to yet believe, right? And I thought, maybe here's a point, 2019, New Year, all right, we're setting ourselves with all these goals and objectives at work. Maybe we need to then reflect upon our iman, our belief, and look at it from these fresh pair of eyes, and from this ayah, and a couple of other ayahs that, that, that I touched upon in, in my khutbah to say, let us consider our belief too as we you know enter the new year we're looking at work we're looking at you know our new projects new goals new uh, you know you know performance you know all of these things for for a new year but are we giving that re- same kind of view towards our iman our belief and how we consider that what is the health check of my iman right so le- let us reflect upon this ayah and then you know when i actually ponder on the ayah look at looked at the tafsirs Okay, Ibn Kathir, he then mentions that, look, here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's addressing the believers and asking the believers to believe in Allah, right? Believe in his messenger and believe in the book, the kitab, right? That has been revealed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the kitab that has been revealed as a, as a guidance for mankind, as a system for mankind and for complete implementation in our lives, right? And then I, you know, contrasted it with, with the other ayahs in the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, gives us an analogy of past nations, people, where, you know, we, we, we choose part and parcels of what aspects of Islam we're going to follow, right? We choose this part and we, we think, you know, this part is not, I'm not quite ready for this part yet, right? And we choose this because this is convenient to my lifestyle, to my commitments, to my diary. It's not going to inconvenience me, but I'm not going to choose this part at the moment, right? Uh, and then I thought, okay, let's reflect upon this ayah too. And then the last th- ayah that I reflected upon was Surah Hujrat. Fantastic example that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives in, in Surah Al-Hujrat, which is about the Bedouins, mm. right? So we hear a lot about, you know, other nations in, that came before us. But have we, uh, this is a, a really interesting analogy, that, an, an example that Allah gives in the Quran, which is those of the Bedouins. Now the Bedouins, this is Surah Hujrat, was revealed in Medina. Right, a time when Islam was spreading, so everyone was coming to Islam, and a lot of people were coming to Islam not necessarily because they were really convinced deep down it entered their hearts, but because everyone was coming to Islam, so they were coming to Islam. So, these uh, I, I won't go into a lot of the details. So, a large group of these uh, Bedouins they came to the Prophet وسلم, and they said, uh, They said, We believe. And they announced their belief in in in, in, uh, in Islam, right? And uh, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, yeah, you know, uh, that tell the, the the Bedouins that they haven't believed, but rather tell them that say that we've surrendered, mm-hmm. and yet the faith hasn't really entered their hearts. It hasn't really entered their hearts, right? And they're coming, and I'm going to paraphrase, and they're coming and they're announcing their faith to you. As if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't already know what's in their hearts. Mm. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't already know why they've embraced Islam. Right? And then the last ayah is a number of ayahs. And then the other ayahs then says, and they are announcing it and they are telling you as if they are doing a favor upon Allah. Mm. As if they are doing a favor upon Allah and, and His Messenger that they've embraced Islam. And Allah says, you haven't done no favor upon Allah. You haven't done any favor upon the Messenger of Allah. The only one that you're favoring is yourselves. Mm. Right, you're, do, you're embracing Islam and you're doing a favor upon yourself. You're not doing a favor upon Allah. You're not doing a favor upon His Messenger of, of, of Allah. And, and, we'll, and the point that I gave to my congregation was, let me reflect upon that, that we embraced Islam because we were born into Muslim families. Mm-hmm. 
So did we just take Islam? Or did, has Islam really entered our hearts? Deep in, in our hearts, right? And if it enters deep in our hearts, what does it actually mean? And Mufassirin, they, they then comment on this. And they say, when it enters your hearts, it means, you, you know, you see the conviction in your heart is deep. It's a catalyst. It means you then embrace Islam wholeheartedly. Ya yuallazina Or you who believe enter Islam wholeheartedly, completely. That's what it means. And, and then when you enter it wholeheartedly, then you would carry the message of Islam, right? And then we wouldn't consider, and this is a, a fantastic, you know, reflection is, then we wouldn't consider that I'm doing a favor. It's not a favor. You know, sometimes, we, you know, I ask you, oh, Brother Zafar, can you, uh, you know, we, we're collecting for X, X, Y, and Z, you know, we need donations or we need time. We need your time for the community. We need your time for this Dawa project or Dawa Dawa project, the, the winter campaign that we're talking about. And sometimes, Shaitan, he might put this thought in our minds that it's almost I'm doing a favor to inspire him. I'm doing a favor by coming here and presenting this show. I'm doing a favor by giving my time. I'm doing a favor by giving this money. But by Allah, you're not doing any favor. You're not doing any favor to inspire. You're not doing any favor to the community. You're not doing any favor when you give you know, your donations to the people of Yemen or to the people of Palestine. And that is what Allah is saying. Hey, there's no favor here. The only favor you're doing it's is a favor to yourself. Because that money you're giving to Palestine, to Yemen, is for yourself. That time that you're giving for this radio station is for, for yourself. Right? Everything that you're doing is for yourself and for your grave and for your akhirah. And that is the, the way we draw a contrast between the ayah for the Bedouins and what we do today. And I, think, I think when you say yeah. doing it for yourself, for the ultimate bene benefit in the hereafter, oh. that's why you're doing it because you're going to get that benefit in the hereafter. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Not, not, not to receive credit in this dunya, or, yeah, of course, yeah, right. otherwise it, it devoids the action totally. Yeah. But the fact is you're doing it for your akhirah, you're doing it for your grave, and that yeah. is the one. That is where you're going to actually see And I think I want, just want to add to that, right, is... is one of the things that, that you see within our families mm. uh, regularly yeah. uh, is basically, uh, I did this for you. Yes. Uh, why didn't you do something for me? Yes, yes. Why should I do this for you? Because you never did this to, to me last time. Yes. And for people to reflect on the fact that we say Bismillah before everything. Yes. And we say Bismillah because it's in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm. And we do it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah. And we do it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and nobody else yeah. because we expect a return and reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm. And that, I think, is, is something that we, we can't... Mm. I, say, I, I say to myself, first of all, right, is, mm. is that we can't say that often enough. Mm. We do things for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and nobody else. Absolutely. So, mashallah, lovely words to finish off uh, tonight's show. Jazakallah hai, Brother Zafar, for, for joining me in the, in, in the studio. And Jazakallah hai to all of our listeners to, uh, for tuning in, for listening. Uh, those of you that are called, those of you that have sent in, in your social messages, always uh, good to hear from you, inshallah. And always, you know, do get involved. Make the shows interactive. Uh, that's what brings life to our shows, inshallah. And if you have any suggestions, do send them through. As always, inshallah, next week, uh, Brother Zafar, hopefully you're going to be here in the studio because... I'm going to be a couple of thousand miles away, eight hours ahead of you in Hong Kong, inshallah. Okay. So until uh, until next week, uh, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh from me and Brother Zafar. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at Inspire FM Luton.